0: Escape Pod
1: 398, May 30th, 2013. Subversion by Elizabeth R. Adams.
2: Hi! Welcome to Escape Pod, your weekly science fiction podcast, and thank you, as ever, Robot Voice Lady. I'm Alistair, your host, and this week's story comes to us from Elizabeth Adams. Elizabeth is absolutely brand new at this, and she's also a flat-out badass. Check out her website in the show notes for links to her work as an astronomer, including her first author papers, links to her other work, including a story up on Amazon for 99 cents, which is about 65p for those of you on this side of the pond, I think and some great photos. This story is her first published work. It's never appeared anywhere else. Welcome to the family, Elizabeth. It's a pleasure to have you here. Your narrator this week is Christiana Ellis, the multi-talented host of countless podcasts and an inaugural Parsec Award winner. So, check your share, because it's story time.
0: Subversion by Elizabeth R. Adams, I knew by his crossed arms, the way he rolled his eyes at himself, and particularly by the pale translucence of all three of him, that I was looking at a classic case of version conflict. I said, "Stay away from her," said one I decided to call art nicknames help. Thick square rims, a jaunty fedora, a crisp T-shirt for a concert by a band that broke up before he hit preschool. He was yelling at a paler self in a white-collared shirt and slacks. They were trailed by a bored-looking him in sunglasses. "'What seems to be the problem, sir?' I asked. "'Rule number one, stick to the singular.' "'I can't get him to commit,' said Slacks.' I scanned his chip, Eduardo Martin, 34, programmer, no spouse or kids, but adoption records from the county shelter for two cats, sealed tax records, a social security number, mortgage history, subversion Inc. member for five years, currently version 4.1, definitely the primary. And your subversion? Art glared at Eduardo, but extended his arm. Eduardo Martin, 34, Barista. Same social security number, different home address. And most intriguingly, he was listed as version 1.0. You see? said Eduardo. Let me check. I ran through Art's commit log. Says you branched off from 2.5, hmm, two years ago? That's a bit long, company policy recommends no more than six months between full reconciles, probably caused some glitch in the occupation inversion number. It's not a glitch, said Art. I want to apply for emancipated branch status. No, 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 said Eduardo. He flailed his arms and paced. He looked even paler up close, but maybe that was the fluorescent shop lights. "'You're nothing without me. Nothing!' "'Um, Eddie?' "'The third Eduardo spoke up. "'He gently caught his arms "'before he knocked over a tray of pamphlets. "'Calm down, men.' "'I had not paid him much attention, "'as he was clearly a very minor sub, "'a watcher, "'the part of yourself you spin off "'to be your own lookout. "'I had one of my own parked in front of my boss's door, "'waiting for his meeting to end. "'It was easy to forget about watchers "'if you weren't careful.' and eduardo was not a careful man i searched his record no fewer than 10 versions out though none older than 2 weeks except for art sir we strongly recommend against having more than 4 subs at a time i said having too many threads often leads to a uh, complicated reconciliations you see said art "'Accept it. It's over. Just let me branch.' "'Out of the question!' said Eduardo. His expression froze. On my screen I could see that one of his subs had just been checked in, reconciled, checked out again. This one was located at his office. I smiled sympathetically. "'Couldn't get time off?' "'That's why I signed up,' he said." I just sat through a two-hour meeting, and this is the first time anyone even mentioned my name. Best sub I ever made. He glared at Art. The version he'd just spawned contained a bare sliver of Eduardo. Less than one percent. A bunch of his subs were really low-level. I smiled at the comments for 4.1.12. Laser pointer and cat handling motor functions. Current location... His apartment. Several versions were more substantial. Over half of your left brain is checked out to a single sub at your office, I said. How else am I going to get any work done while dealing with this mess? And you have another 15%, mostly childhood memories, sitting in an upscale restaurant downtown? He sighed. My grandfather. He saw my frown. "'Hey, I'd be there in primary, but he's got Alzheimer's. "'My whole self just can't take it. "'I always commit right after his cab ride home.' "'I nodded. I remembered the ad. "'If you die inside at Uncle Fred's diatribes, "'next time, leave the best of you at home.' "'It had a catchy jingle. "'And there's another major version "'at the apartment of a Miss Megan Smith.' The precise submodules checked out were under privacy controls. They seemed to involve a lot of fine motor controls and muscle memory. What? said Art. He grabbed my terminal and stared at the screen. You bastard! He swung at Eduardo, but Watcher caught his arm and stepped between them. Please, sir, there's no call for violence, I said. I spawned another runner to find my boss. Now. "'Reconciliation can be painful, "'but that is why you have wisely opted for the full warranty.' "'Art didn't really want to fight. "'We had an agreement,' he said. "'Eduardo wouldn't look at him. "'That's why he made me, you know,' he told me. "'Something was always coming up at work. "'Megan was threatening to leave.' "'I tapped some more. "'Art had an impressive slice of Eduardo.' his wine knowledge, his favorite nightclubs, politics, current events, his favorite novels and television shows. I was right about the art part, too. Eduardo had seeded his knowledge of pop music and his college poetry. Though, when I peeked at the logs, I saw that none of him had access to the poetry in years. Something was odd. I don't see the original for this salsa module. That's mine, said Art. I picked that up with Megan, on my own. I frowned. Company policy discourages subversions from learning entirely new skill pathways without authorization by the primary version. Art read off the sign posted behind me. Whatever it takes to keep her happy, said the comment field on Art's creation two years, one month, three days, and nine hours ago. I looked further back. Similar comments littered older versions. Some of the earliest included skills like beer pong and guitar, which were even more neglected than the poetry. Eventually, Eduardo hit upon a stable set of subroutines and spun them out regularly. An evening here, a long weekend there. One was up for over two weeks. "'Ah, the Loire Valley,' said Eduardo with a smile." Art smiled, too. A shared memory. Interesting. "'So can you do it?' asked Eduardo. "'I need that side of me back. Megan's my girlfriend.' "'Maybe,' I said. "'This happens more often than you'd think. "'This is why we recommend regular checks on your subversions. "'We do offer a courtesy reminder system.' "'Yeah, yeah, I turned it off,' said Eduardo. "'It was too annoying.' Just then, my boss walked in. Took him long enough. By his shimmer, I could tell he'd sent only the minimum legal requirement, ten percent. It was a busy afternoon. Uh, what seems to be the problem? I think we may need to revert, I said. He grimaced. What? said Eduardo. Hey, nobody said anything about reversion. I I thought you said you could reconcile. "'Almost always,' said Art, pointing to the fine print of the wall sign. "'My boss used his key to pull up additional details. "'So, after version 2.7.3 got back from France, "'you made a backup before reconciling it into 2.8, is that correct?' "'Eduardo got a distant expression, "'probably calling in a memory from some other self. "'Yes,' he said, after a pause. But then, in contradiction of company policy, you did not delete 2.7.3 within 24 hours, my boss continued. Three days after that commit, in fact, you sent 2.7.3 out with Miss Smith to, um, hmm, the opera? Cyrano de Bergerac, said Art. The boss pulled him into a meeting on his way out the door. I still had the French, and he didn't have time to create a new version. He hummed a few bars. Eduardo said nothing. And then, after the opera, you made no contact with that subversion for six months? My boss raised his eyebrows. Running a long sub was not unheard of, but who doesn't check in on themselves? We had a big launch approaching, said Eduardo. Megan was happy, and it was just easier. Not for me. "'said Art. "'He didn't give me keys to the apartment "'or any employable skills. "'I had to find a job and get my own place.' "'You want a branch?' said Eduardo, exasperated. "'Fine. Branch. What do I care? "'I don't need you, but you can't have Megan.' "'I was afraid of another fistfight, "'but then my boss jabbed at the screen. "'Mr. Martin, I'm afraid that in your case "'the only alternative to a major reversion is to branch.' You have nullified the terms of contract by regularly allowing yourself to fall below the recommended majority share. In fact, if we don't count the subs you currently have, let me see, updating your Facebook page and posting to Reddit, you don't even control a plurality now. No, that can't be right, said Eduardo. He looked scared. He tried to count how much of himself was elsewhere, but he couldn't make it add up. He slumped. "'How far back?' "'Since before the split,' I said softly. "'Two years.' "'He was thinking about it. "'I'd been working the support desk for six years. "'I'd seen self-destructive behavior before, "'husbands and wives wiping out the last day or week or month, "'only to return when things had built back up to the same point. "'I kept business cards for a few therapists on hand "'for the really hopeless cases,' Though, in the end, it was always the account holder's decision. Art got a call. Hey, babe, he said. Yeah, we're in the store now. He's talking reversion, but I don't think it'll come to that. Meanwhile, Eduardo began calling in subs. Facebook and Reddit checked in first, then Cat toy Watcher gave a shrug and dissolved. But he didn't touch any of the major subs, the ones who were running his life. "'So what's this I hear about your lunch break?' said Art. "'A pause, and then he laughed. "'Wait, you sent how much? "'He must have flipped! "'Listen, I'll call you when I'm free and we can go celebrate. Uh "'Uh-huh. Love you, too.' Eduardo hadn't heard a word of Art's conversation, but he looked stricken. "'She broke up with me,' he said. "'I noticed a new commit for the sub in Megan's apartment.' "'A hefty chunk, too. He looked more solid. "'That's how I could see he was shaking. "'She sent less than one percent of herself to tell me we were done. "'He started crying. I gave him a tissue. "'I set him up with a reversion package. "'It went back a week to just before he decided to take back his relationship with Megan.' I helped him record the message to himself, explaining that it was all over with her, but leaving the cause vague. He picked a commit from right after he'd finished a big project at work, and left with a smile on his face. His other subversions would trickle in later that evening, which meant I would pick up some overtime, making sure they committed smoothly. I didn't anticipate any problems. My boss, meanwhile, was talking with our new customer— Welcome to Subversion, Mr. Martin, he said. Or would you like a new name? No? Keeps things simple. If you'll just authorize here and here, we can complete your official registration. You should get your social security card in the mail in a few days. Now let's talk support plans. For only fifty nine ninety nine a month, you can get the basic package, which includes 24-hour customer support. Or perhaps you might consider our deluxe option. Another happy customer.
2: You know, normally I'd have something here about the speed of everyday life and how we constantly divide ourselves up and swimming in a sea of signal, how Twitter's a new sense, blah, blah, futurism. William Gibson... Cyber Noir, person of interest. <sighs> but here's the thing. What I really like about this piece is that I don't have to do that <laughs> because it has an incredible lightness of touch. There's a thing that always jumps out at a couple of friends of mine, which the esteemed mer herself once described perfectly to me as, tell me, Bob, what is this thing? I was watching a, a lot of CSI at the time and I sort of couldn't after this was pointed out to me. Don't get me wrong, I can hum Who are you? Who, 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 who? Like, you know, the rest of you, only much less musically. But CSI, bless its little surreally murdered heart, has a tell-me-nick. What is blood? Where am crime? What are we doing here? Why are the cameras in the lab? moment every second episode or so. Maybe not that last one. Would be awesome, though. Elizabeth doesn't do that. Instead, she trusts us to not only get why this technology isn't working in this instance, but also to understand why it was invented in the first place. There's some really fine needlepoint, detailed character analysis here, and it's all delivered in a way that means you don't notice it until it's already gone. This is really smart narrative Aikido, putting us exactly where she wants us to be through extrapolating how we all live in multiple levels these days. After all, who wouldn't want to devote more time to their partner or their kids? Who doesn't plug into the internet the first chance they get after an extended absence and have it feel like coming up for air? William Gibson's Neuromancer is one of the novels that shaped modern science fiction forever. That's the simple truth. It also contains no hint of the role smartphones would end up playing in our lives. It doesn't make it a bad book. Is Elizabeth on the money with mapping the attention economy onto relationships and day-to-day life? I have no idea. It isn't the future yet. But it certainly looks plausible right now. Even better, it doesn't look that bad. This isn't an especially nice future, I'll grant you but there are no feral adverts nothing's on fire and at no point had anyone started adopting a leather jacket with a single piece of shoulder armour on it as prêt-à-porter this isn't the future we'll get or are, but any future which doesn't feature the partially buried Statue of Liberty and Charlton Heston screaming you maniacs you blew it up ah damn you god damn you all to hell is a good one so thanks Elizabeth for showing us that the future doesn't all have to be cyber noir and grim. Now, we can all go back to tweeting about person of interest. Aside from you, you should write more stories, because this was great. And here's the thing. Fictions like the Hotel California, you can check in, but breakfast has to be paid for separately. And now here's Nathan, in from the fields with a fresh bushel of opinions about the previous episode. In this instance, Good Hunting
1: by Ken Liu. Greetings and salutations, Escapodians! Assistant Editor Nathan here with the feedback for episode 394, Good Hunting by Ken Liu. This was the story of a demon hunter in China facing the loss of his livelihood as Western technology cut the chi and blamed it on the dog. Then, Steampunk Robot Fox. Because. People like this one, despite its overt fantasy elements and lack of pew-pew laser guns. The wind-up said... The best stories completely defy categorization. I think we have to remember that categorization of stories or anything else is just a tool used for a particular purpose. If the purpose changes, or if the tool stops working, get a different tool. With that out of the way, I loved this story, and I absolutely did not see where it was going at any point. Lou went further and faster and better through the development of his history and his characters than I would have believed possible. The story struck me as much like his Hong Kong. While nothing much seems to be going on transformational change is accumulating and suddenly becomes obvious ladies and gentlemen agreed writing couldn't have said it better Lou is a master at taking a concept in an unexpected direction specifically as it pertains to themes of colonialism change and hope for the future and my big complaint is that while his storytelling is fantastic his characters sometimes come off as cold to me, like in the paper menagerie and the perfect madness now here the main character cuts down his suicidal father and just moves on. Sure, he's in shock, but there doesn't seem to be a real moment of anguish. Similarly, though, uh, Yan's acceptance of her robot legs is logical, her transformation is missing grief. Someone initially chose machine legs for her. Splinters of the feelings are there, but glimmering hints can't save these otherwise wonderful characters from being sterile. This makes me sad, because I absolutely love everything else about this well-woven tale. Matt Weller wanted out loud if this emotional disconnect was an artifact of the differences in culture and expectation between Western and Chinese styles of storytelling, which in turn prompted Infinite Monkey to pop in and drop the wisdom on us, as far as the history of Chinese novels and modern literary movements, All in all a good conversation. That's all we have for this week. Join us next week when we suck all the chi out of Helen and Bell's robot. Until then... Autofox,
2: roll out! Thanks, Nathan, as ever. If you have opinions and you want to write them in electronic form to us concerning this story, then please go to escapepod.org and sign up for the forums. Whilst you're there, why don't you click on the We don't have a fun phrase like Pseudopod does to symbolise your donation sustaining us, but we're working on it, so please donate and we say thank you button. In fact, why don't make a suggestion about what that phrase could be on the forum? How about launch the pod, or dispatch war rocket Ajax? Like that, only, you know, good. Seriously, we rely on your donations to keep our authors paid and our servers running, and without either of those, we disappear. Each cent is used wisely, each cent is appreciated, and each cent from you helps us make us better for you. Just think of it as a perpetual motion goodwill machine. And speaking of goodwill... Now, over to me, with some notes about some things you might be interested in. Alistair? Thanks, Alistair. Mer Lafferty is a superheroine. I can prove this. Hell, anyone who listens to any of the numerous shows she does knows this. Mer's superpower is that where most writers only see how they work, Mer sees how we all could, and maybe should, work. I've lost count of the amount of people I've met who listen to I Should Be Writing, and the amount of writers I know who view the show as equal parts lifeline and vindication. Writing is a weird, difficult process, and to have the eye in there does, to be able to see the process and all the different paths through it with the same clarity and engagement is amazing. And that's even before we get to the Heaven series, which is, to my mind, one of the best pieces of fantasy fiction of the last couple of decades or playing for Keeps, or any of her other numerous projects, not to mention her twin stints as co-editor of Pseudopod and editor of Escape Pod. Like I say, my Lafferty is a superheroine, and her superpower is story, and that brings us to The Shambling Guide to New York. Published by Orbit, it follows Zoe, who, after her last job collapses in spectacular and unpleasant fashion, moves back to New York. She's a travel writer, and Zoe is a very good one. The only problem is she can't find any work, until, that is, she finds a job with Phil. Phil's a vampire. His employees include an incubus, a Welsh death goddess, a water sprite, and a few zombies. He employs Zoe to write a travel guide for the real city, and that, of course, is when the trouble really starts. This is brilliant. It's Murr's best work to date, ideas crackling in every chapter. The way pieces kept in New York will fascinate you, as will the snippets of information we get from Zoe's book. I especially like the idea that New York pigeons are a distributed intelligence that's the best business mind in the city, for example. It's really tightly paced, too, the plot unspooling constantly, driving you along but never pushing you. Most of all, though, it's the characters that bring back to this. Zoe is a believable, normal woman, and her responses are sensible, pragmatic, and anchor the book. She's got scars, and those scars feel real, and you like her all the more for them. Her world turns on a dime from fascinating to terrifying to absurd to back again, and Murr makes sure we're there with her every step of the way. The Shambling Guide to New York is out now, and it's great. Murr balances fantasy, horror, action, and comedy as only she can to create a book which feels like it could only be set in New York has one of the most likeable main characters I've read in years. Mer Lafferty is a superheroine. Pick up the book and watch her fly. Now, Galileo Games, as some of you may know, produce fantastic role-playing games that are both fun and revolve around a social issue. Kingdom of Nothing, their urban horror game that uses the supernatural to explore homelessness, is fantastic. And Shelter-in-Place is one of the few things in the increasingly necrotic and shambling zombie end of the pool that's not only fun, it's genuinely innovative and clever. They've teamed up with our friends at the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences to produce a game. The Ministry Initiative is an RPG produced using the rule ruleset, whilst Ministry Protocol is a set of brand spanking new short stories. It's a great project from a great company, and it absolutely deserves your attention. We'll put the link in the show notes. Next up, my friend Emma Newman is a genius. She's a polite genius who enjoys tea and mild peril, which is arguably the best kind. She's the author of the Split Worlds short stories which appear all over the place on the web, and has just had her second Split Worlds novel released by Angry Robot Books. Emma's also doing a massively fun, and it being her staggeringly nice thing on her website. She's crowdfunding wishes. The full details are there, but the short version is you post three wishes on her site, check other people's listings to see if you can fulfill anything for them, and go from there. It's essentially using the internet to crowdsource niceness, and I can't think of a better use for it. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Next, SF Buzz is a new magazine featuring short fiction by authors like Sam Stone and Ruth Wheeler. Alongside articles by a constantly updating team of writers, designed for PDF but with an option to go to print as well. It's been put together by Brian Edwards, and Brian is a good guy. He runs SciFind, which is a really smartly done science fiction news site that I volunteer for. He's put together a great set of writers with Alan Baxter, not unknown around these parts, Helen Armfield, and myself on deck for the first issue if it happens. The campaign doesn't have long to run, so take a look and if you can, donate. Brian's good people and his enthusiasm deserves to be infectious. Right, sorry there were so many there. I promise the next time we do this there'll be fewer. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. We'll be back next week with My Heart is a Quadratic Equation by Shane Halbach. And after that... Episode 400, baby! Your closing quote this week comes from Rapture of the Nerds by Cory Doctorow and Charles Strauss. These days, tales of what Facebook did with its users during the singularity are commonly used to scare naughty children in Wales. Words to live by, folks. We'll see you next week. Until then, have fun.